1: And a great good afternoon to you and yours as we celebrate Martin Luther King Day here on this Monday, January 16th, the year 2023. Hope you're having a great day. If you're observing the holiday, that's fantastic. Uh, We hope you have a wonderful time enjoying it. Uh, And we're here uh, as per the norm for the next two hours as we try to inform and entertain to the best of our ability. Uh, we'll talk NFL playoffs. We'll talk about the, ooh, the um, tumultuous turn down in Tuscaloosa, and we'll celebrate another women's basketball game and another uh, statue uh, out on the plaza at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. That and much, much more uh, coming your way today, my man, man, uh, my main man, James Mesh. Uh, in the producer's chair uh, running the show pushing all the buttons playing all the tunes he's on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on 1041 in lake charles streaming around the world 1037thegame.com 1041 the game.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you want to have a face to the voice, well, you can because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133
0: on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: The full weekend down in New Orleans at the convention center, you wouldn't believe the things going on in that one huge building. You had thousands of young girls doing a, um, a cheer competition. You had the Miss Universe pageant on Saturday. And in between both of them, you had um club volleyball tournament and that's what i was a part of with my 15 year old my goodness kids everywhere everywhere amazing just amazing so um we did well we just got back today Uh, i was all day saturday all day sunday and half of the day today so my head's still bouncing with volleyballs and the noise and the clapping and all that but uh, just to see the joy on kids faces as they do their best and try to succeed and uh, show off their talents it's pretty darn good and they had a lot of talent on that court but Um, that was my weekend. I hope you had a great weekend in whatever form or fashion that you do. Uh, there were some football games played and, uh, you know, it's, it's that time of the year where you win, uh, or you go home, win or go home. And we saw some, some young coaches make some foolish, foolish mistakes and we saw some savvy veterans doing uh, all the things necessary to, again, survive and advance. And that's that's what you do at this time of the year. And we've got one more game tonight to decide who will uh, stick around. And that's, of course, the Dallas Cowboys being in Tampa Bay for um, a Monday Night Football extravaganza. Uh, so... The first round of the playoffs is nearly in the books. And what what has become quite apparent is nothing's coming easy. Favorites and higher seeds fell. Winners had to scrap for everything they could come up with. Um, And it's a lot harder than you give people credit for. Um, Five teams, season came to an abrupt halt. And we've got five others that, all believe they're Super Bowl contenders. San Francisco beats Seattle 41 to 23. Um, it's looking more and more like Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy is a pretty darn good quarterback after all. He did a little bit of everything. Another vi- He played great. He played Great, you've got McCaffrey, you've got Debo Samuel doing what they do. This is a tough team for whoever wins tonight between Dallas and Tampa Bay to have to face. Seahawks put up a good fight in the first half, but Niners just too good. Um, Geno Smith kind of rewrote his entire narrative. Now, whether that's enough to guarantee him a job in 2023, that remains to be seen. But the bottom line is it's pretty obvious who won the trade with the Seahawks and the Russell Wilson split. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The Seahawks did it, and Denver may be regretting it. How does How does Brandon Staley keep his job as the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers? An astounding comeback. One of the most astounding in the history of the NFL. The Chargers led 27 zip in the second quarter. Ended up being the third largest erased lead in playoff history. I'm sorry, you're up 27 zip. You got to coach better. You got to coach better. How did the Chargers get ahead 27 zip? Well, um, The Jags quarterback threw four first-half interceptions. Trevor Lawrence, not one, not two, not three, but four first-half interceptions. But you know what? They never panicked. They never pointed fingers. They never got on one another. They just kept believing that they could play and that they could win. For the Chargers, just a typical Charger deal. Typical. A young coach. Why not run clock? Why not? I'm not saying you to take the air out of the ball because there's still a lot of time left. But why are you snapping the ball? Why are you running a hurried up offense? Why don't you wait till the play clock is down to four, three, and then snap the ball? It's all about how much time is left in the game. Just crazy, crazy, ridiculous. Brandon Staley, I don't know how you keep your job. I just don't. Um, The Buffalo Bills, they're good enough to dominate every team in the league. They really are. But they also have uh, enough bad stretches to get themselves bounced in any round of the playoffs. It nearly happened yesterday. Buffalo squandered a 17-point lead and had to hold on late as Miami just couldn't work the clock right either. Josh Allen got a little sloppy. The two touchdown underdog Dolphins kind of attacked. And just like that, Buffalo didn't look quite so invulnerable anymore. They got their act together. But you know what? Teams are supposed to be getting better as the playoffs go on. You make those kind of mistakes, you're not going to survive and advance. How about the New York Giants doing what the Giants do? They kind of sneak into the playoffs. Nobody thinks they've got much of a chance. And then, boom. Look at him! Here they go. Daniel Jones has ascended to a new level this year. His arm, but more importantly, his legs. He's not surrounded by the most talented core of NFL receivers and the like. But boy, he makes quick decisions, and he is he is talented. And Saquon Barkley looks rejuvenated. He looks like the old Saquon, not the injured Saquon. The Vikings, on the other hand. Well, I guess they turned out to be what everybody thought they were, a team whose record far outstripped their actual on-field performance. And God bless them, but Kirk Cousins once again came up real tiny when the moment was big. And the Vikings go into the offseason with the same old questions same old questions, same old questions. If the reason you play is to survive and advance, well, that's exactly what the Bengals did in a 24, 17 win over the Baltimore Ravens winning via a 98 yard fumble return by a defensive lineman by the name of Sam Hubbard, all 265 pounds, rumbling, stumbling, fumbling, going from one end of the end zone to the next. And, uh, the Ravens were just about to take a fourth quarter lead. That play happened. Bingo. Um, a lot of people picking Cincy to get back to the Super Bowl. And if that's the case, Joe Burrow is going to have to step up and give, give a little bit more next Sunday in Buffalo. For Baltimore, well, most uh, the most ominous news came just before kickoff. Lamar Jackson still sidelined with a, Knee injury didn't travel with the team. That is the most odd behavior for a would be franchise quarterback. Uh, He's scheduled to become a free agent when the new league year starts in March (coughs) with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Allow that to go that far, allow that to happen. I don't know. I don't know. So we've got one more game left in the opening round tonight. Should be a good one. The Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Tampa Bay Brady's, whatever you want to call them. Um, All the pressure in the world on the team with the star on the helmet, all the pressure in the world. Uh, So we'll see. We shall see. Um, Meanwhile, golly, uh, I'll talk about LSU basketball uh, later on. Glenn West will join us. 106 to 66. One oh six to sixty six. That's just, you know, you play a sport long enough. Mark my word. You play a sport long enough. You're going to get your butt handed to you at least once. It's going to happen. And that's what happened to LSU. They got beat by 40 and they had no answer. And that's all she wrote by 40. And now they've got Wednesday Wednesday at home against auburn we'll go over all the sec standings for you down the road uh here today um great day yesterday women's basketball um <laughs> and uh they they got another win they are now 18 and oh and you look at the newest ap women's basketball poll you've got south carolina at 18 and zero, number one ohio state 18 and zero, and number two in the country LSU 18 and 0 moving up to number three in the country. Thanks to an 84 54 win against Auburn in front of nearly 11,500 fans with their derrieres in the seats. Um, And they all got there early to see, not all of them, but a lot of them got there early to see the uh, unveiling of the first LSU female athlete to have a statue dedicated in her honor. And that's Simone Augustus. So congratulations to her. Congratulations to Kim Mulkey. Congratulations to the LSU women's basketball team. They are pretty darn good. So that's just a couple of the headlines of the day. Um, We are football-centric. We'll take our first time out of the day. When we come back, Chris Rosaglou will join us, and we'll talk about um, Sean Payton. Seems like every team that has a job opening has asked permission to talk to him. And why wouldn't they? Is he going to land somewhere? And what happens if Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys lose tonight? Does the Dallas Cowboy job become open? We shall see. We'll have that and much, much more when we return to the Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World
0: Series champs, the Houston Astros. (laughs)
1: And we are back 19 minutes after the hour, the NFL playoffs, five games down, one game to go in this wild card weekend. We'll know whether um, the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Dallas Cowboys survive and advance to play against the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round. Lots of things going on in the NFL as always. And um, our expert, Chris Roseverglue, who is a podcaster for Boot Crew Media, amongst many other things, so kind enough to join us. I'm so appreciative of it, Chris. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you?
2: I'm great, Jordy. How's everything with you guys?
1: Everything is good. Um, The playoffs are. Uh, are underway and a lot a lot of teams out there that uh, that are out of the playoffs now and you wonder if there's going to be some more job openings how does the coach of the LA Chargers keep his job after that
2: you know I, I really don't know how and I think the only thing that you can use as a reason to keeping him is if the Chargers are trying to just be you know a team that's not spending too much on their coaching staff I guess that would make sense Staley currently makes $4 million if they wanted, let's say, a Sean Payton. That probably cost them five times as much plus draft capital. Uh, but that's really the only thing, because if we look at what's kind of transpired the last two weeks with the Chargers, a week ago, Staley takes a lot of heat from the media because he plays his starters, and you know one of their top wide receivers, Mike Williams, gets hurt in what was really a meaningless game, and yes. then you fast forward six days later, and you're up 27 nothing, and... You decide to run the ball just eight times in the second half, you don't do a good job of really controlling the clock, and uh, that's yes. an inexcusable loss. And it's one of those with a roster that's this talented. They should be playing in the divisional round. They're not instead in, in the fashion that they did it. I'm, I'm surprised he still has his job.
1: I'm with you, um, which brings up uh, the possibility of another opening, but we already know that the Denver Broncos, Arizona Cardinals, Houston Texans, and now Carolina Panthers are in the mix. They've been granted permission by Saints general manager Mickey Loomis to meet with Sean Payton. Of those, is there a, is there a favorable landing spot?
2: Uh, you know, I think the, the one that's interesting to me um, would be Houston in the sense that they do have two first-round picks, and obviously the Saints are looking for one, and, and I don't think they'd give up the, the second overall pick. That seems a bit rich, but they do own the number 12 pick. And if the Saints hypothetically got the number 12 pick in a trade with the Texans, uh, you can start to say, okay, can they move up a little bit if, let's say, a mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud falls, or can they get a Will Levis from a Kentucky? Or th- The options are there where all of a sudden there is a path to saying, okay, this quarterback situation could potentially get fixed for the long term, but uh, in terms of the, the intriguing landing spots for Sean Payton, I think the Cardinals are probably, in my opinion, at the top right now. If he likes Kyler Murray, because I think that would be a fascinating duo if they could get on the same page. And for the Broncos, they have the money to spend, they have a late first round pick, but you have to be a hundred percent sure and uh, certain that you can fix Russell Wilson. And if you think so, oh, well. okay, then Denver's job is appealing. But if not, it really isn't that appealing to me. So I'm looking at the Arizona one. If the Chargers job opens up, though, I'd imagine that would be considered what people think the the ideal spot for Sean Payton. But right now I'm looking at Arizona and from the Saints perspective, you're kind of hoping it's Houston.
1: Chris, if Carolina does get in the mix and Sean Payton is I mean, you have different levels of what the Saints would expect as a return. Uh, If Sean Payton goes to Carolina, it it would be a, a ransom, a huge ransom because he's going into your division. So they would have to ask for the moon. That's why I just can't see that happening.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and that's one of those situations where if I'm new Orleans, if that's the spot, he ends up wanting to pick at first. It's not one of those. Well, we're definitely not letting you go in the NFC South. You, you got to go to the negotiation table and see what you can get. But right. I don't even know what the sweetener would be to make that deal happen. Is it a first round pick and a second round pick that that would give the Saints a lot of capital for this year, but even then you might want more than that because you know what Sean brings to the table and you're going to have to see this guy twice a year for the Mm -hmm. next how many years that he wants to spend in Carolina. So that would be the most fascinating one. And I think that would be the biggest haul that the saints would land. Absolutely. And last time we've seen coaches trade within divisions, there's been big draft hauls that come out of it. So if you're new Orleans, you're not totally against that idea because, we all know in the past what a good draft has done for them. Think back to 2017, really just revamped this whole uh, franchise and got them on the right track. So I'm not totally against that idea, but I, I just don't know from Carolina's perspective, what would they consider a sweetener? Because if they say, hey, first-round pick and a third-round pick, if I'm New Orleans, that, that's just not good enough for me. I don't think that's yeah. worth you know, trading in within the division. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I, I think, you know, when a team like Carolina enters the sweepstakes, that should only help because other teams that may want Sean, if, if they end up being the team, team that he picks, you're going to have to make sure that you're willing to give up those draft uh, capital uh, to, to get that trade and, and make sure you pull it off. So the more teams, the merrier, honestly, in this situation.
1: I'm with you, Chris Rose glue. Kind enough to uh, join us, boot crew media. Uh, we mentioned those teams. What if? What if Tampa Bay wins tonight? Got to be some. I you know, mean, there's so much pressure on the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones is not a spring chicken. He's getting up there in age, and if he wants to win a Super Bowl before his time comes and goes, don't you think he has to say "see you later," Coach McCarthy, and 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 go somewhere else? I think. Yes, but in the fashion
2: that they lose. I know it sounds crazy, but if they get into a situation where this turns out to be, and I don't expect it, but let's say it was, you know, a 35 to 38 type of shootout and, you know, Dak Prescott plays great. It's just the defense gets bested. I don't know if Jerry's going to immediately just pull the plug. But if they have a situation like last year with the 49ers where a lot of penalties looked undisciplined, had that weird situation in the two minute drill where they weren't even set and, and to, to you know, clock the ball and then have a chance to tie it and they just looked just discombobulated. Then I do think he thinks about it because there's no better chance for the Cowboys to have a Super Bowl run than right now. And the reason I say that is just look at the pass they would have. If they win Tonight, you're playing against a Tampa Bay team that we've talked about it all year. Yes, they're in the playoffs, but it's more so by default because someone from the South had to get there. Not so much as the Buccaneers absolutely earned it. This wasn't an impressive season for them. And, yes, if they win this game at San Francisco, it would be tough. But if you look at the quarterback matchups, it's potentially Brock, it's Brock Purdy next week if they were to win. And then after that, it's either Jalen Hurts or Daniel Jones. I just... You know, we're so used to seeing the Tom Brady's and the Drew Brees's and the Aaron Rodgers, like kind of being in the NFC, and those are the guys you have to overcome in the playoffs. That's not the case anymore. So for, for Dallas, I think the time is now, and I just don't know. Jerry said that he doesn't want to pull the plug if they were to lose tonight, but if they lose in a fashion where it is frustrating, and it's kind of like, let's say, what the Chargers just did, where they lost more so on coaching than they did lack of execution then I think Jerry's going to have to consider it. But is he willing to kind of make that move after winning 24 games in the last two regular seasons? It's a tough balance to say, but if I were him, I would make the move if they lose tonight.
1: Who do you like tonight, the Bucks or the Cowboys?
2: You know, I've been you know, kind of going back and forth this entire week because in terms of the numbers, it actually does favor Tampa Bay. Dallas is a team that is just not very good on grass. It slows down their pass rush. Uh, Tom Brady does not lose to the Cowboys. We also factor in that you know first time they met earlier this year. I know it was Week One, but that was probably the most underwhelming performance that Dallas's offense has had whole, this whole year. And a lot of that favors Tampa. But I keep going back to the Bucks that I haven't seen them really put together consistency this season. They'll win one game, people will say they're locked to win the division, and then they'll they'll slip up in Cleveland or they'll slip up yeah. against the Carolina team and. I just think Dallas has the better team right now that I'll probably lean with them by a field goal. But I, I really don't feel good about it at all. And I know it's tough to count out Tom Brady, but this Bucks team just hasn't looked good all year. And if they do turn it on and this is the night where they look magical, then it goes back to what we were saying with McCarthy and whether or not he comes back. Then, then we'll readjust everything. But right now I'll lean Dallas, but it's so slight. And I really I felt good about a lot of games this past weekend. I don't feel great about this one.
1: I'm with you. Uh, wh- which game surprised you the most in the uh, wild card um, uh, up to this t- point in time? Was it the was it the collapse of the Chargers? Was it um, the Giants going on the road and beating Minnesota? Uh, was it the rookie quarterback leading the 49ers yet again? Was it the Bills kind of holding on for dear life? What What surprised you the most?
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of people have been pointing to the Giants, but I think that one made a lot of sense. They played Minnesota really well in the regular season. Yeah. They kind of felt that they got that second shot. They could win, and they absolutely did that against a Minnesota team that point differential-wise did not really add up with their record. They're a team that won a lot of close games and lost a lot of blowouts. So I think the game that surprised me the most, and I think it's important, is the Bills game because when you're up 17 nothing and you're going yeah. up against a third-string quarterback – you got to put that game away right then and there. And, and, and the reason I'm so concerned about that is Buffalo's biggest flaw this season. They've been very loose with the football. There's moments where they have a chance to go up and really yep. just put their opponent away, and they don't do it. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, next week's opponent Cincinnati didn't play well. I think Cincinnati's game, the way it kind of played out, made sense. I mean, they burst Baltimore two straight weeks, and Week 18 Baltimore was not really all that interested in that game. That gave them two full weeks. To kind of get ready for that playoff matchup, knowing that's who they were going to play anyway, and you saw that division rival two straight weeks to prepare for it. Yeah. John Harbaugh is an excellent coach. I'm not so concerned about the Bengals looking sloppy. I'm sure they'll correct a lot of things. But if the Bills play sloppy, which they've been doing, I'd say the last two months of the season, that's not going to fly against Cincinnati. That, that's not going to get them to where they want to go. And obviously for them, it's Super Bowl or bust. So I would say it was most surprised that against Skylar Thompson if their defense doesn't make a stop late in that game, that either goes Mm -hmm. into overtime or they run the risk of losing to a third string quarterback that the week before they only put up 11 points against the Jets. So that's where I'm really concerned right now with the way Buffalo played. They really only won because of the opponent they played, not so much the way they went out and earned it. Um, But other results around the league kind of made sense with me.
1: Another thing that surprised me was something that wasn't on the field at all. And that's Lamar Jackson didn't even travel with the team to the playoff game in Cincinnati. What, what do you make of that? You know,
2: there's so many mixed messages going on right now that if you asked me maybe two weeks ago, I'd say, ah, right, they'll get over it. He'll get franchise tagged. He'll be back. And I think when all of a sudden you got players like Sammy Watkins before the game saying, I hope Lamar decides to play. You have John Harbaugh not really wanting to answer questions right now because it's a frustrating spot. You have Lamar putting stuff out on social media to clear the air. Uh, you even have J.K. Dobbins after the game saying, well, if we had Lamar, we would have won. There's so much going on, and I think there is a little bit, I don't want to say animosity, but I I would say kind of hurt feelings in this situation where you lose that game with your backup quarterback. You'd imagine if Lamar's in there, you probably win it. Uh, Yeah, I think there's a situation now that does unfold where it says, okay, does Baltimore tag Lamar with the intent of trading him for a couple first-round picks and maybe some change? And I don't think that's like out of the, the realm of possibility. I thought two weeks ago it wasn't possible. The more this goes on the more I'd say confusion we get than actual answers. Uh, I think that Lamar, there might be some sweepstakes that kind of come up in the off season, And boy, would that change everything because he's the type of quarterback that if he goes to a different team and it's the right fit and he can just revitalize that franchise. So uh, I do think the door's open. I, I know Baltimore would love to have him, but if you look at their track record the last couple of years, trading away Orlando Brown, trading away uh, Marquise Brown, they've gotten rid of their big-time players when it's time to get a new contract, if they feel like they can replace them, and uh, yeah. they would get a haul for Lamar. I'll just, I'll never say never in the NFL, and especially now when there's so much he said, she said type of stuff going on. Right. I'm very interested to see how this plays out.
1: <laughs> Got to see if he's healthy. Uh, he misses a lot of games. He's a frail quarterback, and he runs around an awful lot, although he did a lot in the pocket this year. But um, the best ability is availability, so we shall see. Chris Rose for Glue, Boot Crew Media. Thank you, my friend. You're always you're always on top of it, man. I, I greatly appreciate it. Have a great uh, rest of your Monday. You too, Jordy. Thank you for having me as always. You're the best. Chris Rosevoglue. He is really, really good. Uh, If you didn't get what you wanted from Santa, don't worry. We have the gifts you really want in the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. We also now have $40 gift cards to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. But you can only score these prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll switch from the NFL to LSU. We'll get you uh, up to speed and and hoops. Good for the women for the men and martin luther king day means nba basketball and the pels are right now in cleveland playing the cavaliers we'll update you on that score and much much more when we return to the Jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros
0: every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy holberg show This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
1: We're back on this Monday, January 16th, Martin Luther King Day, which means there's a full slate of NBA games, some underway right now. The Pels, the first quarter has just come to a close in Cleveland. New Orleans leads the Cavaliers 25-24. Indiana over Milwaukee at the half 76-65. They're at the end of one at Madison Square Garden with the Knicks trailing Toronto 29-25. And early on in the first, in Atlanta, Miami trails the Heat, I mean trails the um, Hawks 824. So, um we're sticking with hoops and we bring in our good friend, uh Mr. Glenn West from 247 uh Sports kind enough to join us. It was a kind of tale of uh tale of two tales. Uh men's basketball, woo.
3: Women's basketball. Yeah. Glenn, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Jordy. I was a little surprised that you actually wanted to talk men's basketball today i can't imagine why you want to talk about
1: that i got to do it briefly and i'll i'll (laughs) preface it by saying this if you and i said this before and i told my daughters this uh you play in sports long enough that's going to happen to you you're going to get your derriere handed to you at some point in time now how do you react to it and that's the case and that's what has to happen with lsu i don't know where they go from here get beat by 40 they just looked they looked dead in the water and that that's going to happen it's going to happen. Now they get to come back home. What's your um, appraisal of this basketball team?
3: Um, I mean, I, honestly, they they just got so much work to do. I mean, I think just you can tell those are two programs that are in very different spots <laughs> yes. uh, in terms of their growth, in terms of how far they, they need to go. Uh, you know, first off, Alabama's a really good team. I mean, they're yeah. probably going to be a, a final four favorite for a lot of people. And, uh, they certainly showed that on Saturday, but um, LSU, I think, you know, the biggest takeaway for me has been kind of what we talked about some this year is that, um, you know, I think their size is just going to come back to bite them. And you just saw two teams uh, that were just not really in the same weight class in terms of long, athletic, yeah. uh, big, uh, you know, skilled. I mean, just, just really just different, Uh, different programs right now. And so LSU, I think this is going to be a good kind of indication, a good wake-up call for Coach McMahon in terms of the kinds of players that he needs to bring in Um, moving forward. I think you're going to see certainly a lot of emphasis in the portal uh, for next year, but definitely – uh there there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff that needs to improve with this roster but i think first and foremost you've got to bring in some long athletic wings and hope you can develop them into you know really good uh competent sec players
1: yeah they need size uh and they need scoring i mean they were
3: starting they they were (laughs) they were playing so many three guard lineups and it's hannibal justice hill cam hayes adam miller all those guys are six four and below and you had Alabama starting a 6'9 shooting guard, who's probably going to be a top three pick in the draft next year. So exactly. they, did, they gotta get they gotta get bigger. So yeah. that was my biggest takeaway. Uh,
1: Brandon Miller, what a player. Twenty-four minutes, yeah, eleven of sixteen awesome. from the field, seven of eleven from downtown, perfect at the stripe, two for two, uh, thirty-one points, nine rebounds. Uh, LSU got annihilated on the boards again. Uh, they didn't shoot it well. It was just one of those days you just kind of – it does no good to look at it again. You just get rid of it and and move on. But now they've got Auburn at home. They get Tennessee, who just got beat by Kentucky at Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, and then they've got to go back to Arkansas. Arkansas got beat as well. So this is a – I mean, this is a cannibalization uh, of of everybody except Alabama at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I think we kind of came in thinking that there was going to be a weight class here in Alabama and Tennessee. We're going to be at the yeah. top there. Yeah. Arkansas as well. Um, but I think really a lot of these teams right now are just kind of beating up on each other. I mean, um, you, and you can even throw LSU into that mix with the Arkansas upset. I mean, like there's going to be games here where SEC teams that aren't favored uh, go in and they beat some of these uh, highly thought of teams I mean Arkansas is really going through it right now with uh I think they're on a three-game losing streak in the SEC play which is really mm-hmm. uh tough to swallow after they were a top 10 team um for most of the year um you know Florida looks like a team that can really beat anybody on any given night uh if they if they you know get Castleton involved and so yeah I mean look they got to play Auburn now I and mean, Auburn uh has been a kind of a not the Auburn that we've come to know in the last right. couple of years. They they've really struggled, I think, offensively at times, and uh, they're they've got a young team this year, and they've got to bring some of those guys along slowly. So there's there's opportunity there, I think, for LSU to potentially yeah. pull off an upset. But um, they, I mean the, the 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 glaring weaknesses of this team. If they they have to have a lot of things go right for them to be able to stay competitive in these games right now.
1: I'll say it. I've said it before, I will say it again, this year's edition of LSU basketball, for them to have any chance to win, uh, they can't shoot 18 for 61. They've got to shoot no. upper 40s, 50% from the field to have a chance, because they just don't have enough size, like you have mentioned, they don't have enough skill, they don't have enough talent at this point in time Uh, that was kind of fool's goal with that preseason schedule now you get up against the big boys and you are starting to see what what it's all about so um they got to shoot the ball very well to have a chance meanwhile Glenn, you know this as well as anybody but you you tell me that coaching doesn't matter baylor's 19 year run in the ap women's college basketball poll is over They've been ranked for 365 consecutive polls before falling out yesterday or today after losing twice last week. Um, Kim Mulkey's really, really good. She had a run, 21-week run at number one in the country from 2011 to 2012. It's pretty darn good, and she's keeping it going. She's ranked third in the AP poll now, undefeated 18-0. Crazy. Crazy.
3: Yeah, they're they're playing some tremendous basketball right now, and it starts. Um, I, I I think it starts with Angel Reese, and what she's been able to do. I mean, she's yeah. uh, somebody you know. I think Cody Worsham, who's the kind of the uh, all things be all LSU inside guy over there uh, within the programs and right. stuff. He uh, put out a nice tweet. You know, Angel Reese was averaging a double double in the first half for these for every game this year. I mean, she's averaging, I think, twelve points. And eight rebounds in the first half alone, That's crazy. and she's, uh, she's she's just been terrific. I mean, she's you know, twenty three and fifteen the other night, and uh, another thirty point blowout of an SEC team. I mean, it's just ridiculous the kind of stuff she's doing. And I think one of the biggest things that you're seeing now is uh, you know you know Lexus Morris is coming along. You know, you oh, yeah. Flojay Johnson really stepping into her own as a true freshman. So like they they're they're doing a lot of really good things right now. Um, and and I think they're only going to get better. They're just a really solid team. Um, they're fun to watch. I watched this game on Saturday, and they they I mean they, they get up and down the court. They 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 turn ter- turnovers, and they you know they turn them into points the other way. They've just done a really nice job, I think, of you know kind of staying consistent and not letting you know an easy schedule kind of be the defining thing of their team. They they're taking these teams and they're blowing them out you know every game and. Now, you got this, uh, this, the South Carolina game that I think everybody's looking forward to in the next couple weeks, but, um, <laughs> they, they've certainly, uh, proven to be a, a really good, uh, really good team that's, that's going to be a, a national championship contender.
1: I see them as, to your point, um, Kim's developing them. They're getting better and better and better. And it goes back to, you know, first there was Shaq, then then Bob Pettit, then Pistol Pete statue, and now Simone Augustus was honored on Sunday before the game. Uh, have you seen the statue?
3: Yeah, it's really cool. It's uh, her, you know, taking one of those patented mid-range jump shots that she really liked to take at okay. LSU. Um and you know, I listened. Went back, and I wasn't able to attend the ceremony, but I went back and listened to her speech, and it was really uh, phenomenal. I mean, she's obviously a a legend in, in Baton Rouge, and you know, having grown up there and then gone to play ball at LSU right. and having all the success she's had in her career, um, it's it's really a, a a great hometown feel story. And uh, you know, I know she's she's certainly done the the program really uh, well, and she's continued to. Be just uh, a model model, you know, kind of citizen mm-hmm. for for a lot of you know young girls playing basketball and wanting to have that kind of impact on the on the program.
1: I feel for Matt McMahon, he's got he's got a lot of work to do. And and what's happened now is the 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 flair of Kim Mulkey and the fact, you know, this is a basketball town when you win. And now yeah. they're on eleven thousand people to go watch them play in a game. I think you'll hear crickets maybe. Uh, come come Wednesday night when LSU and Auburn play. I hope that's not the case. I hope maybe the student body is back, student section will be filled, Maybe and maybe they'll have some energy in the building. But he's got to be careful. You start going the wrong direction, and those people
3: will – I mean, they'll fly away like seagulls. So school gets started tomorrow. I would imagine they have a lot more uh, student – they'll have a student kind of deal where they give away some free – raising canes or something. That's so right. they'll, right. they'll get some kind of crowd there. I, I don't have any doubt about that. And I think the the Bruce Pearl effect of it all really brings out the the opposing team's uh student sections anyway. So matt that, that, that might be something. But yeah, I mean well, i they they've got a lot of work to do. I think the the immediate thing is they just gotta get a handle on the on the on the glass. I mean they just got destroyed uh on, on the glass this last weekend and yeah. really last week they're in both games they just were not very good on the boards and they've they've got to get that fixed and i'm just not sure if there is a quick fix for it right now yeah uh, maybe later on
1: in the season but these next three uh or four are going to be uh tough to say the very very least uh that early enrollees checked in uh how many mm-hmm. early enrollees
3: does uh brian kelly have now so we have uh, 13 true freshmen that are on campus and then 10 transfers. All 10 transfers are on wow. campus as well. So yeah. that's 23 new players that you're going to be incorporating here into your foundation. Uh, I think you'd see a lot of those transfers play next year. Uh they've they've done a nice job of attacking the portal at positions of need. Uh cornerback, defensive line. You're going to see a lot of those guys I think playing this time next year. So um yeah, they're going to be uh they're going to be really Uh, I think really a lot deeper team. You know, I think the foundation they have returning on offense is extremely important to having a championship run next year. Uh, The the biggest question is going to be how they fit these new pieces in on the defense.
1: I'm really curious. I got to find out, when did all this early enrollee
3: stuff start? There was no such thing. Yeah, I mean. Who brought that about? I'm not exactly sure when it started. I can remember, for me, the first kind of (laughs) – guy that was an early enrollee that I kind of first took notice to was Stingley um, about four years ago. Stingley Mm -hmm. was an early enrollee and he actually uh, was practicing with LSU ahead of their championship run, uh, which was, was, or or, no, ahead of their bowl game. Sorry. They, he was a true, he was a, he was going in for that bowl game there. uh, The Fiesta bowl, he was helping Mm -hmm. the team practice then. And I remember Joe Burrow having a comment saying he's already like one of the best cornerbacks I've ever seen and uh, he really helped, I think, LSU that year and the next year as well, obviously. But sure. yeah, I mean, he's the one that I kind of remember uh, the the first early and that I truly remember.
1: W- would you have done that? See, I wouldn't. I would have stayed in in high school. I would have gone to my, you know, hang out with my friends. I'd have done the prom thing and all that. You know that. But basketball is different than yeah. football. I understand it.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think with you know with football, there's just so much that you have to learn uh, about the game and about college. I mean, I think basketball really the if you were taught by a good coach, the good, you know, the foundation principles of basketball translate easier than yes. maybe from high school to college. So you've gotta you gotta really I think, you know, build yourself up physically to be able to play early in your career at college, which is why I think a lot of these guys are going uh, you know, so early. Yeah. Who you got tonight? Tampa Bay or the Cowboys? Who you got? Uh, it's just hard to bet against Tom Brady. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to go Tampa Bay there. I mean, I I just think that when it gets into postseason time, if you're betting against Tom Brady, you're usually losing money. So, um, unless it's a clear definitive answer, unless he's going up against Burrow, I don't see him Ah. losing. uh, But uh, we'll
1: see. I got you. I got you. Glenn West, you are the best. Enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. Thank you so very much. I really do appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, Jordy. Appreciate it. Right, you
1: take care. Glenn West um, does a terrific job covering uh LSU Sports. Um, wildcard weekend comes to a close tonight. Cowboys are in Tampa Bay taking on the Bucks. Pre-game begins at seven, and you can listen to it here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back to wrap up hour number one after this timeout here on the Jordy Helpert Show. Stay with us.
0: A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can now use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you. At your office, at your home, and everywhere you go. Our number two straight ahead, we'll delve into um, uh, updating of some scores around the NBA. We'll talk a little LSU women's hoops and uh, NFL playoffs. We are actually guest free in our number two. People um, uh, want to take the day off, and, uh, and I certainly respect that. Uh, everybody deserves one every now and then so we'll delve into uh some topics and we'll go for we'll hear from some some coaches and players and uh we'll we'll uh we'll have some fun i can promise you that so hour number 2 straight ahead the jordy helpertz show here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros one hour down and a one to go we'll be right back
0: It's our number two of two on this Martin Luther King
1: celebration celebratory day, January sixteenth, the year twenty twenty three. Uh, we've got NBA action all uh, all all around the town, and right now, with two minutes and fifty seconds ago in the first half, the Pelicans lead the Cleveland Cavaliers forty three to forty. So we'll update that uh, score and other scores around the league on a very busy nba day we've got one nfl playoff game left the so dallas cowboys taking on the tampa bay buccaneers in the meantime my main man james mesh in the producer's chair inside the game studios which are on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on 1041 in lake charles we are streaming everywhere on 1037theGame.com, 1041TheGame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, no guests in this hour, which is a very uh, which is a rarity. So we will welcome if you so desire. Uh, to ask a question, state your opinion, whatever it may be, you can call us up at 337-706-0111, 706 with the 337 area code. So if you're in the Lake Charles area, give us a holler. Uh, we would love to um, hear from you. Absolutely. Um, you know, we talked about the NFL playoffs, and it's um, kind of uh, interesting how teams react how teams respond uh nothing comes easy it wasn't easy for the 49ers it was uh it was you know early on in the first half the Seahawks put up a really good fight and then um San Francisco just took control i think Brock Purdy looks pretty good 49ers have a decision to make at the quarterback position they got three of them so we'll see. but uh, Brock Purdy, look, they, you can talk about the system and all that, but he's still got to throw it. and he's still got to run it and he's still got to get it to his playmakers in whatever form or fashion that he does. and he has and the forty ers are on a on a roll. um and they they look really really good. i, I i'm I'm waiting for the the hammer to fall on Brandon Staley. Uh, the head coach of the L.A. Chargers, up 27-zip over the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they just did everything imaginable to lose the game. Um, you, experienced head coaches don't lose games like that when you're up 27. Trevor Lawrence threw four first-half interceptions, but they didn't blink, and they kept coming back and coming back because the Chargers wouldn't run the clock they just i mean it's like they laughed in the face of football and did everything imaginable to lose a game uh so you've got one of those uh, talented quarterbacks in Justin Herbert how long do they how long do they go with this guy who really doesn't have that much experience at all um so still waiting on that and the court of public opinion certainly thinks that brandon state and, and the court of public opinion really doesn't matter in a lot of cases but in some cases it does um and we'll see if brandon staley can can keep his job because um that was uh that was pretty unusual to say to say the very least and boy he's getting hammered all over the place we've got some some sound from um, from Brandon Staley uh, that my main man, James Mesh, put together. And um, the first question was, uh, Coach Staley, what happened to you guys in the second half?
4: We just didn't play clean enough football in the second half in and, and all three phases. Um, you know, We didn't score the ball or possess it well enough on defense. Uh, we had far too many penalties in the second half that really hurt us and didn't play well enough in the red area. Um, didn't perform well there in two minute at the end of the game. And, um, you know, just didn't play a good second half of football as a team. Well, Qu- quit the coach speak and just, hey, we should have run the clock.
1: We should have possessed the ball longer and snapped the ball with four or three seconds to go on the play clock, every play, shorten the game. Um, and then you don't have enough possessions for Jacksonville to come back and win. Just amazing amazing here's staley again talking about um how tough of a pill it is to swallow losing that way
4: yeah, i mean anytime you you're up 27 to 7 at halftime, time and you've got four takeaways and you end up winning the takeaway margin for nothing you know it's going to be it's going to be a killer uh, i'm hurting for everybody in that locker room it's a special group of guys and you know this is the toughest way that you can lose you know in the playoffs um and uh, certainly with the way we started the game, that's that's the team that um, I know that we're capable of being. And in the second half, um, we just didn't finish the game. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot from this. And, you know, um, unfortunately, this is the tough side of things. Our season's over, but um, I love everybody in that locker room. And um, this was a step for us, and um, we're going to grow a lot from it and what a coach can do to a
1: program and turn it around um and what Doug Peterson has done at Jacksonville and down 27 zip like I said they didn't blink an eye they just they didn't start pointing figures or fighting or arguing so here's Peterson talking about this win and what it says about this team
5: I mean it's everything you know it's it's just what I told him at halftime you know it's kind of like our season you know and and um you know, we've put ourselves in a hole at times, and then we've we've worked ourselves out of it at times, and and uh, just to have uh, the resiliency and the and the fight and the desire and the um, the ability to continue to play, you know, because it could have easily gone the other way, right? Um, and and that's what I'm so proud of these guys for. Um, everything's on the line, and uh, you know, they go out and get the job done.
1: Sure did. Uh his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, as I said earlier, four first half interceptions. But as the old cliche goes, I mean, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Here's Doug Peterson on his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you know, I'll just keep
5: saying it. It's a step in the right direction for him and for our team, for our franchise. And you know, we love having having Trevor as our quarterback and, and he never I mean he never flinches. He it just I mean, you saw the emotion on the uh, on the sneak, you know, and on the goal line. Um, you know, I think it was the, was that the two point conversion. You know, that you saw the emotion, right? And uh, and that's who he is. And um, I, I just uh, I love the fact that he's he's leading our football team. But it's a step in the right. It's a step in the direction that we want this organization to go. We want him to go, our team to go, and um, you know, uh, we just got to continue to build on that.
1: So they survive in advance, and we'll see what happens to the Chargers and their coach And uh, as the days go by. Meanwhile, uh, heavily favored Buffalo Bills, double-digit favorites, um, and they're good enough to – to beat every team in the league and in a dominating fashion. Every single one of them. They have that much talent, but they also have bad enough stretches to get themselves bounced in any round of the playoffs. And it almost happened Sunday as they, the Bills squandered a 17-point lead and held on as Miami uh, couldn't couldn't get plays in on time with the, with the play clock, and the Bills get the win 34-31. to 31. Here's the head coach of the Dolphins, Mike McDaniel talking about down the stretch, the the communication from the sideline to the quarter. What happened? Uh, issues within the huddle of communication and getting to
6: the line of scrimmage. The excuse that you don't use, but that is a real compounding variable. Is there's, you know, there was a multiple amount of um, different people in the huddle where communicate. You know, when you're in a in a nice routine, and you have a uh, may, maybe a group of offensive linemen um, that are being communicated to by the same person. You know, when you when you have flux like that, it, it happens. It shouldn't ha- happen as much as it did. Um, and then the the last one in particular had to do with uh, whether you know whether it was officials or coaching. You know there was some communication that we'd gotten the first down, so then we were um, deploying a, a group of players for the first and ten call, and then it was it was articulated uh, that no, it was fourth down. So that miscommunication—that's that's all the stuff that you that you do in in this business—is you um, you never stop finding the things that you can improve on, um, and and it's a. Uh, It was a piece of the reason, uh, you know, why we're unable to come out with a victory, but it it definitely wasn't the only reason. There's a a lot of people can uh, find several things that they could do better, um, including myself, which
1: we will do pressing forward. It's a long winded answer saying we we just gotta we gotta be on the same page. We gotta be smarter. We have to communicate better. We have to communicate quicker. Plain and simple. But they were competitive. Now they have to figure out their quarterback room. What's what's going to happen to Tua? Uh, meanwhile, Sean McDermott, even though uh, they won, he knows that uh, that's not going to be good enough as these playoffs continue. He talked about complimentary football, and it just wasn't good enough.
7: I just think overall we got to do a better job of, of at that point, um, you know, up 17, I think it was 17 zip, and we turned the ball over. So, um, at the end of the day, you turn the ball over, you die. Normally, a, a pretty quick death. And when you turn the ball over three, I think we had three, three turnovers, one for a score, and uh, and then we had the big punt return, and there mixed in there as well. So, um, not very good complimentary football.
1: Wasn't good complimentary football to say the very, very least. Meanwhile, one game that uh, everybody thought there were a lot of people were on the New York Giants going into Minnesota and taking on the Vikings. And that's exactly what happened as um, Daniel Jones continues to get better and better. His decision making, he can throw it. He can certainly run it. Um, So many people dismissed him early on in his career, but it's amazing what coaching can do. And Brian Dayball has done a terrific job. Saquon Barkley looks rejuvenated. Looks like he's turned back the clock a little bit. And uh, the Vikings and Kirk cousins, once again, come up small when the moment is the biggest. And the Vikings now go into the offseason with the same looming questions year after year as they fall 31 to 24. Um, Brian Dayball, Daniel Jones, his ability to run. How big a part of the game plan was that?
5: No, I'd say the game plan that we put together um, on offense kind of was a game plan for the game. You know, what we did is what we wanted to do. I mean, there's always adjustments, but I thought Kafka and all the assistant coaches had those guys ready to play and um, thought he called a really good game.
1: He certainly did. Uh, their plan defensively was to try and stop the best receiver in football and Justin Jefferson. And Brian Dabo discussed that.
5: I play good team defense. That's, what, that's what's required when you play a really good player. Um, don't wink, and the staff did a good job. And, you know, they hit some plays. They're going to hit some plays. They got some good, some good players. But, you know, one of the keys was not to let 18 beat us. Um, and I thought the plan, and then <clears throat> most importantly, the execution by the players
1: that's what's the most important fourth and eight the vikings with a chance to do something you got to throw it past the sticks you got to get past the sticks and work your way you can't and that's here's kevin o'connell talking about kirk cousins fourth and
3: eight you just got to get it done um, eight third and ten call whatever it was you think you have a chance and and unfortunately we just you know didn't uh it didn't end up coming down with that one for whatever reason and and on that fourth down just trying to get some eligibles vertical and and uh ball ended up you know going underneath and, and we didn't like we had you know like we had done multiple times tj underneath the coverage for catch conversions uh they just were able to make a play uh but the intent was to try to continue winning the football having a chance to win the football game with pushing the ball downfield and just didn't open up for Kirk and, and that's on me.
1: Kirk Cousins come on dude how long you've been playing football in this league fourth and eight you can't throw the ball four yards three yards five yards you got to throw it 10 11 12. just it I don't understand it it doesn't make any sense and the wide receivers whoever they are should never be that short they should all run past the sticks so that you get a first down, and you keep your hopes and dreams alive. Your dreams are still alive. San Francisco, uh, they beat the Seahawks 41-23. to 23. Brock Purdy continues to play very, very well. Um, and Kyle Shanahan was asked, man, dude, are you surprised how much you trust this Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy?
8: Not really. Um, felt that way from the beginning. You know, once he got in that game versus Miami, you know, we didn't have um, – we didn't have the luxury to sit there and worry about stuff the way the game was going. Um, we just had to call plays to try to win the game, and he did such a hell of a job, and he's done it every time since. So um, we got a lot of confidence in him, and he gives us more and more confidence each week.
1: Pressure to beat the Seahawks a third time. Everybody says, oh, it's so hard to beat. Either you're, If you're better, you win. But here's Kyle Shanahan talking about beating them for the third time
8: yeah the pressure is how much we believe in our team and that this it's not a seven game series it's just three and a half hours and who knows what's going to happen i mean everyone in the playoffs is a good team that's a good team they won nine games for a reason um they're always tough to play regardless and um you got to go out there and play really good football and that's what's so tough about the nfl is um, that was our biggest our internal pressure is we think we got a really good team and We don't want today to be our last day with this team. And but that is the reality of the playoffs. All you got guaranteed is three and a half hours. Um, Once we clinched um, earlier this year up there, you know, we knew we were guaranteed the playoffs. So that was kind of the first feeling that we've had in a while of like, wow, if we don't handle our business this week, um, this week's over, this season's over. And we love this team um, for a number of reasons, and I'm glad we got another week.
1: So now the divisional rounds are set with one to be determined spot after tonight. It'll open up Saturday um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Kansas City to take on the number one seeded Chiefs. That will be followed by the New York Giants traveling to Philadelphia for the nightcap, taking on the number one seeded Chiefs. Eagles on Sunday in the divisional round, the Cincinnati Bengals, thanks to a 98-yard fumble recovery return for a touchdown, um, the Bengals beat the Ravens. They will travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills. That'll be the 1 o'clock game uh, on Sunday, followed by either the Dallas Cowboys or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Whoever wins will travel out to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers. That's the late afternoon game uh, this coming Sunday. So um, we've got uh, eight teams still in the hunt. Well, nine right now. Um, And we'll determine whether it's the Cowboys going on the road to win for the first time in a long, long, long time, or can Tom Brady keep um, what many think will be his last season in Tampa Bay. Others think it'll be his last season ever at to play as a quarterback. Who knows what Tom Brady's thinking, but he's thinking about one thing and that's figuring out a way to not let Micah Parsons get to him to control the ball and to, uh, to matriculate the ball down the field and score touchdowns. So we will see. Should be a good one tonight um, in Tampa Bay. Cowboys and the tampa bay buccaneers and of course again i will tell you that you can listen to that ball game right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles pre-game begins at 7 p.m and you can listen to it right here on southwest louisiana sports station so there you go uh the lsu men's basketball team not so good but the women's team undefeated 18-0, now they're the number three-ranked team in the country. We'll hear from their head coach and some players when we return to the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 104-1 Lake Charles. Your home for the World Series champion Houston Astros and your LSU Tigers.
0: Jordy Holtberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene. Or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we are back. And better than ever. And I hope you're doing a great, having a great day today on Martin Luther King Day. Um, It was a great day yesterday for the LSU women's basketball team, who continues to move up the charts. Now they're the third-ranked team in the country, thanks to their um, win over the weekend, as they uh, just destroyed Auburn by 30, 84 to 54, 11,475 paid attendance for the game, That's pretty good. The fifth largest crowd in LSU women's history. Uh, A lot of it because Simone Augustus was honored and recognized with uh, as the the first LSU female athlete to have a statue dedicated in her honor. Um, It's in the plaza on the north side of the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. If you're an LSU fan, I I would highly recommend you, you go walk to the Plaza. Shaq was the first to have his statue unveiled. Then the great Bob Pettit, then the legendary Pistol Pete. And on the female side, not a, not a better player ever than Simone Augusta. So that's, that's terrific. Meanwhile, on the court, they just keep on keeping on. Um, It was alumni family day and, About 100 former LSU women's players were in attendance as well as all the current players and their families, and the Tigers put on a show. Uh, Angel Reese had her 18th double-double in 18 games with 23 points and 15 rebounds. Angel Reese, after the game, talked about closing in on some program records, and what a blessing that is.
4: Um, it's meant a lot to me. Um, I'm just playing playing the game. I didn't know I was break, breaking these records until you guys have mentioned it, but I'm just doing whatever it takes to win. I'm happy to be, I'm um, just to be mentioned with Sylvia Files, Simone Augustus, it's, it's really a blessing and I'm happy.
1: She should be happy. She's quite the talent. Um, I've talked about Flo J. Johnson and how important she is and right next to her is Alexis Morris, um, as, as she goes, so goes this team. She had 12 points and coupled that with 10 assists. And she talked about the fun that this team is having, regardless of what she does.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm having a complete all around game. Cause I'm not just making like getting points for myself, but I'm making my teammates better and you know, if I can get them confidence. And I know I can go score the ball. So my job is to make everybody else around me better. It's not just, it's not all about scoring. And last year, that was my role, but I'm in a different role this year. And that is to make everyone else around me better. And Coach Mokey gets gets on me a lot for passing up shots, but I'm just having fun with my teammates scoring and I'm scoring. We having fun. I think that's the most important right now. Uh,
1: Yeah, Winning, uh, Makes everything fun and that's that's awesome. two really talented uh, players uh, Kim mulkey kind of summed it up perfectly um, about the day with simone augusta 's statue, the alumni the family um, It was a pretty good day for lsu women 's basketball
7: well what do you write first because they're all wonderful. Uh, probably start with simone 's statue unveiling the first female ever in the I guess the history of LSU sports. I'd start there. Um, a team that's 18 and 0. Uh, I mean, there's just so many things you can write, um, and they were all wonderful and meaningful. Um, and and it, it's it's good when you can play every player, particularly if they're, you know, it's parents' night. That's not always the case. <laughs> Uh, but everybody got to play, and uh, we will now go to another reception for Simone and families upstairs and um, I, I was proud of um, the crowd the crowd um, there's a lot more basketball to be played in this arena this year and I hope it continues to be 11, twelve thousand.
1: Wouldn't that be fun <laughs> wouldn't that be fun um it she kind of it's kind of like she's saying something but is it true she talks about takes a takes a while to build a program
7: we haven't done anything really we've won games we've won eighteen games and that's impressive I get it doesn't matter who you play we have beaten i guess you would say those that we're supposed to beat and we've beaten them handily but This is only my second year here, guys. We've got a long way to go. We've got to keep recruiting. You know, we lose some great seniors this year, and we've got to bring kids in. And um, it takes two or three recruiting classes, you know, to start what I call just really stability. And I think we're doing that. I think the transfer portal allowed us to bring in a lot of new pieces. I'm enjoying coaching them. We got fatigue there in the second half. Uh, there was a spurt in the third, spurt in the fourth where we got fatigued.
1: A little bit of fatigue, but uh, they got a lot of players in and they're just they're just rolling. It all sets up for what should be, if everything goes according to plan, uh, a matchup of unbeaten teams. Who knows by that time, it may be number one versus number two, but LSU has to go to South Carolina in February. Um, and that could be for... An awful lot, an awful lot, but this is certainly a team that has uh, the potential. The potential, a lot of things have to go your way, and, and with any team, uh, sometimes you got to get lucky. And LSU really hasn't had hasn't been in a close game where you know every possession matters and everything counts and you're coming down the wire and you know it's a it's a one possession game how do you handle that they've just blown everybody away hasn't even been close yet They'll face, face that hostile environment in Columbia, South Carolina in February. Uh, they they take their basketball pretty seriously there, and there is um, I don't think there's any love lost between the two between the two coaches. And I said it earlier, and I'll say it again: coaching does matter because um, Kim Mulkey came from Baylor. And they were in the top 25 year after year after year. Ever since the year 2004, they have always been in the AP top 25 until now. For 365 consecutive polls, they were ranked before falling out today after losing twice last week. Uh, They've been in the poll, top 25, since January 5th, 2004, including a 21-week run at number one in the year 2011 and 2012. Coaching does matter. Only Tennessee and UConn have had longer streaks in the 46-year history of the poll. Uh, Tennessee, 565-week consecutive polls. UConn, 556. Wow. Um, Amazing. So South Carolina's number one, Ohio State's number two, LSU's number three. The remaining, the three lone undefeated teams in women's college basketball. They tip it off again in um, Pete's Palace on Thursday. The Gamecocks of South Carolina and the Tigers will meet February 12th in South Carolina. LSU's third for the Tigers' highest mark since February 27, 2006. The third-ranked team in the country. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. All right, let's take a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll um, get you an update on the Pels as they are in Cleveland. It's a very busy NBA day on Martin Luther King Day here on the Jordy Heldberg Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
0: The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best.
7: This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it.
0: Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest. The best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: 38 minutes after the hour. uh, Let's get you an updated score. The Pels are, uh, are hanging in there. Where is that? Um where are you come on jordy where are you nba and here we go here we go (laughs) got so many things um 421 to go in the third pelicans 68 cleveland 66 um Many games still in Atlanta leads Miami 70-50 to 50 at the half. Uh, Golden State trails Washington 85-80 with 5.57 to go in the third. The Knicks lead the Raptors 75-71, 4.45 to go in the third. And with 4.16 left in the fourth, it's Milwaukee and Giannis 120, Indiana 114. Um, Tuesday is the first day that... NFL teams are allowed to conduct in-person interviews with candidates for open head coaching positions. You can add the Carolina Panthers to the list of teams that have requested and have been granted permission to interview former New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton. Um Remember the Panthers fired Matt Rule after a 1 and 4 start. They finished 7 and 10, same as the Saints under interim head coach Steve Wilk. So Carolina is just the latest team Interested in Peyton, put in the Denver Broncos, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Houston Texans. They were all granted permission by Saints GM Mickey Loomis. Peyton will reportedly meet with the Broncos this week in Los Angeles. So the Saints still hold Peyton's contractual rights for the next two seasons. So any team interested in hiring Peyton... Uh, therefore must request permission before making any moves. Then before any dealers reach, the interested team must agree to appropriate compensation with the saints for his services. And I said this before, I'll say it again. If Sean Payton ends up in Carolina, it's absolutely critical that Mickey Loomis make it very, very difficult for the Panthers look to acquire a franchise quarterback. The NFC South, is going to go with the team who gets the best quarterback. Um, Atlanta needs a quarterback. Carolina needs a quarterback. The Saints need a quarterback. And pretty soon, Tampa Bay is going to need a quarterback. So, man, you, um, if you work out a deal with the Panthers, maybe you get their, their first round pick in 23, the number nine overall and a 2023 second round pick. And maybe you get some more picks. Um, No matter what you get, though, you take that package and you put it all together and you make a deal with the Arizona Cardinals to move up to number three in this year's draft. Now, you know, I don't believe Chicago is going to want a quarterback. I just don't believe they are. So let's say quarterback goes at number two. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there. Bryce Young, Stroud from Ohio State. Levis from Kentucky, one or all of the above might be available at number three. I think that's what the Saints have to do. They've got to to wheel and deal and do something. So I think the Saints are hoping and praying that um, somebody gets Sean Payton. And to their best benefit, to their best benefit, it would behoove for Sean Payton to go to Carolina, but why would he go to Carolina? Okay. So, so Houston doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, Arizona has one, but is he sold on Kyler Murray? Is he sold in Denver on Russell Wilson? Can <clears throat> Sean Payton has an ego now as do all coaches. Maybe Sean Payton says, I'm going to show you how good good of a quarterback dude I am. I'm going to resurrect Russell Wilson. I'm going to make him come back and become the great player that he was when he was in Seattle. I can do that. Maybe maybe he can. Maybe he feels that way. I don't know what Sean's thinking. Excuse me. I don't know what he's thinking. The money's going to be great wherever he goes. Um, So quality of life. Does he want to go to Denver and be in that cold weather half the season? Does he? I, I think the optimal position would be the Chargers. But, you know, like Nick Saban said when he was at Michigan State, I'm, I'm tired of being the, the stepchild. Everything is Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. I, I got to get out here. I got to get out of here. It's the Lakers. It's the Dodgers. It's the Rams. And then it's the Chargers. The Chargers are way down the totem pole. I don't know. Now, he's living out on the West Coast because of his deal with Fox. Um, Maybe he wants to stay there. I don't know what Sean Payton's thinking. But I know that the Saints need a quarterback. And they need one right away. And the only way they can get one is to cut a deal, have Sean Payton go somewhere and get some deals and put some things together to move up in the draft to get yourself a quarterback. That's period that's it um i like bryce young i'm not a quarterback evaluator but i saw bryce young play on the biggest stages and um and really play well really play well you play in that sec that's kind of a mini nfl now yes he'd have something to learn and people are talking about his size and how he's not the strongest (laughs) come on the dude the dude can play football He can run around. He can buy time. He's more of a throw first, run last. So I like him. I know C.J. Stroud has the the size and all that stuff. I I don't know. But I do know the Saints need a stinking quarterback. So um, Mickey Loomis confirmed last week that Dennis Allen will be back as the coach next season. So there you go with that. So it's not Sean Payton is not coming to the Saints. And and I think Sean Payton's going to interview. I think he's doing his research. And I think he's waiting to see what happens tonight. Because. And I don't think tonight's the end all be all for the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. Is it Super Bowl or bust? Jerry Jones wants another Super Bowl. And. Jerry Jones is getting up there. I don't know how many trips around the sun he's going to have um, running the Dallas Cowboys Now his families involved and that's, but he wants that. He wants that. And uh, does Sean Payton want to be joined at the hip with Jerry Jones, who has never been one to back away and, and have his say and he has the right to do that as the owner maybe that's why they haven't been to a super bowl maybe that's why they haven't been to an nfc championship game in forever and a day maybe he's let the football people do the football stuff let the coaches coach that's neither here nor there that's jerry jones and he's a billionaire and he can do whatever the heck he wants with his toy the dallas cowboys i it's amazing how he's built that up and the value that franchise is now. It's 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 amazing. So I credit him for that. But does Sean Payton want that? Does Sean Payton want to be a part of that? Does he does he want to go to a place with that doesn't have a good quarterback? I don't know. Does he want to go to Houston? Um, but that that franchise seems to not be very um, in sync. Ownership, front office, it just it just doesn't work. So I don't know what Sean Payton's thinking. Maybe Sean Payton thinks he can come in there and, and walk on water and cure all ills and, and, and he can ride off into the sunset as one of the greatest coaches ever. Look what he did with this flout. Look, look what he did with the saints. Look what he did. Look what he did. It was kind of remarkable. Yeah, only one Super Bowl. But, boy, they sure got uh, the old Phillips head screwdriver a couple of times that that kept them away from the potential of another one or or at least two more. But so it's it's kind of funny that the Saints' success – kind of correlates and hinges on their ex coach and what he does. And until he does something, the saints just have to sit back and wait and hope and pray, um, that Sean Payton makes a decision and that the team that wants him, wants him badly enough to give the saints, let the saints steal some picks, steal some picks. Um, um, And if I'm Mickey Loomis, I'm holding out for as much as I possibly can. And I'm starting to think the best choice for the Saints would be for Sean Payton to go in their division. Heaven forbid, go in their division, go to Carolina, and then you can get all kinds of loot for that. Because it's going to cost Carolina a lot more, I believe, than it would cost Denver or Arizona or Houston or anybody else. So a lot to be determined. And, you know, a team wants to have a coach in place before the draft. They got to get there, you know, they got to get a coach. They got to let the coach hire his staff. And all these kind of things have to work. So I, you know, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't think it'll take long. I really, truly don't. So big decisions to be made. And the, the Saints um, all tied in to Sean Payton. All tied in. So if you go to Carolina, two first, two seconds, I don't think that's asking too much. The question is, would Carolina do that? Would they be willing to do that? Some owners do. Some won't. But just depends on the weather that day and what that coach wants, some, some and what that owner wants. Some of these owners have huge egos, and they want to make a splash, and hiring Sean Payton is a splash hire. There's no question. It's a very big, big hire. And then if you're the Saints, does Sean Payton take some of your coaches with him? Well, time will tell. Time will tell. All right. Uh, we'll take a time out here. When we come back, we'll uh, update you on the Pels and um, have some birthday wishes for you, including an LSU Tiger, um, a former New Orleans Saint, and one of the best hitters that baseball's ever seen. They're all celebrating a birthday today. We'll talk about that and much, much more when we return here to the Jordy Helper Show on the game. Oh, oh, by the way, you know, um, there's an opportunity for you because we have a lot of fun at the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's a Delta Media station. If you're looking for a career change and have any type of sales experience from retail to telemarketing and everything in between, then Delta Media wants to hear from you. You can email your resume to sales director Jeanette Cochran at J-C-O-C-H-R-A-N-J Cochran at delta media corp all one word at DeltamediaCorp.com or by calling 337-896-1600 896-1600 a career in sales here at delta media all right we'll be back to wrap it all up here on this martin luther king edition of the Jordy helpert show on the game 103 siphon lafayette 104 one lake charles your home For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Baseball's not that far away. We'll be right back.
0: Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We're back finishing touches of this edition of the Jordy Helpert Show. One football game tonight. Uh, Let's get you an update on the the Pelicans as they are in Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers right now with 10.30 to play. We got a nail-biter. Pelicans 81, Cleveland 81. So uh, they're tied up. Cleveland was like a six-point favorite in the game. Uh, Still no Zion, still no Brandon Ingram. As always, um, just seems like that's the way it is. So um, games in the fourth. It's all tied up at 81. And um, the Pels right now, uh, third in the Western Conference, uh, but slipping back a little bit as um Denver keeps on winning they've won 6 in a row Memphis has won 9 in a row so Denver leads Memphis by a half a game um and Memphis is four uh Denver is four games ahead of the Pelicans so they're still right there 26 and 17 uh can they get their 10th win away from the Smoothie King Center they're 9 and 12 on the road so we shall see all right tonight Dallas Tampa Bay <clears throat> Dallas looked awful in their Week 18 game, Tampa Bay just kind of played everybody in their Week 18 game. I think Dallas is the better team. The only way Dallas wins is if they get out ahead early. Get their confidence up so that Dak does not have to take all these chances and throwing the ball up for grabs. They got to get their running game going, and they got to ground it and pound it against Tampa Bay. If it's close in the fourth quarter, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. So I'm going to take the Cowboys to win this one. Um, I I still don't believe Mike McCarthy's safe, even with a win. I think he's got to go to the Super Bowl. And then he'll be saved. I just don't believe it. Um, I just don't believe it yet. I may be wrong, but that's just my humble humble opinion. So we shall see. All right. If today, January 16th is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Oh, he's in the playoffs. Former LSU Tiger, shut down corner. Tradavius White is 28 years old today. One of the best hitters in baseball. What a year he's had, uh, had with the St. Louis Cardinals. Albert Pujols is 43 and the greatest end zone celebration ever with the cell phone tucked away into the goalpost. Joe Horn is 51 years old today. Wow. All right. Um, tomorrow, it's uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll talk more playoffs. We'll talk uh, NBA. We'll talk hoops, college hoops. We'll talk whatever is significant and important. So, James Mesh, thank you so much for your hand today, as always. Thanks to Chris Rosevoglu of um, NFL Lore um boot crew media glenn west 247 sports we greatly appreciate their time today uh so until tomorrow thanks to all of you for listening thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day Uh, i'm jordy helberg i hope you stay thirsty my friends keep soaking up knowledge um stay healthy that's the most important thing let's be kind to one another and why not be happy enjoy the rest of your day i hope to hear from you and see you tomorrow. So long, everybody.